I'm joined in the studio today by Mr. Luke Porton. Hello. Hello, Luke. Hello, thank you, Luke. It's gone to Thank you for having me. That's all right. So, you are the Essex Comedian of the Year. Essex Comedian of the Year. Comedian. That was me. That's you. Yeah, just get t-shirts with that printed on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's me. Yeah. So yeah, it was a competition, but the judges couldn't decide on one winner. So there's there's two Essex comedians of the year. Oh, there's two. Yeah, yeah. Two of you, me and uh, me and Josh James. He Josh also, James. He was also the other winner because oh. we both did very very well. They gave you so. a sympathy vote. And <laughs> who got to keep the trophy? That's oh. it. I got to keep the trophy because oh. Josh was. Very kind to let me keep it, but he's getting a, a duplicate one sent to him. He's getting one exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, so that's just made of it. It's all good. Paper so instead of made of gold. <laughs> we're, we're both winners. <laughs> so good. That's important. So there wasn't actually a fight backstage for the trophy. No, no. It, well, <laughs> he, had, he had the trophy, and I was like, "No, you have it. You had it." Cause I thought he deserved it more than me, but he was like, "No, you deserve it." No, so let me take it. It's a nice. Comedians are in competitions. Yeah, yeah, usually. So your competition, you won. Let's tell us a little bit about that. What, what, uh, what was it? Uh, New comedians, or so um, just like no, it was, it was it was some people from Essex, some people had come down from London as well. It was at Fling Festival in Chelmsford, which I hadn't, I hadn't heard of it before, but my mum and dad had heard of it. But yeah, yeah, they had it in the they had a big top uh, comedy tent, so that was where the Essex Comedian of the Year was held. Um, it was brilliant acts, everyone that was on. There was it was, a, it was a, I was surprised that I did win because you had some people that were tough competition yeah, top and I was, I was thinking how, how am I going to do this and then when I heard my name announced because I thought Josh James who won it I thought it was just going to be him but then when the judges said oh we couldn't decide on one winner so we've picked yeah. two uh, but yeah you know, it was really good really good lineup. because sometimes you do competitions and there's some people that have decided to just go and do the competition because it's their some people do competitions their first time which I've always been yeah, confused by you don't always get a, yeah. a good standard of these things but with this it was people that had been going for quite a few years and had, had really good material, yeah. So. Yeah. It obviously planned to do well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just, just came in and stormed <laughs> it, man. Like. Well, yeah, they haven't. So the, the way they did it is they they pulled the names out of a hat, which was to write the lineup. It wasn't when they were on stage, no order. but it was where you would go at first. They, they gave us the order beforehand, which was good because before it yeah. was just going to be that the person, the MC, would go on stage put out the names and then we wouldn't know where we were going to be on. Oh, no, right. Yes. I hate that type of thing. So instead they just came out, they had the names in a hat, pulled them out and were like, oh, you're on, you're on here at this point. So I was on second and I was sort of worried about being on second because oh, yeah, I've never liked opening gigs yeah. and I like sort of maybe on fourth or fifth oh, like middle because so you know exactly how the crowd is you get the vibe of the gig but being on second was still yeah. was still good because I've sort of in, in a way over the years figured out how I can do my style how I can get an audience on board yeah so yeah so how would you describe your style to someone because I've seen you before and it's quite um, difficult to explain yeah that, that, over to you <laughs> uh, so I don't know how I don't know how I really explain it I've never really known how to some people say that some of my stuff is surreal because I change things into something a bit weird I have a whole bit about Spice World and something to do with the film yes, of, a, of a lonely man watching the film <laughs> um, so I have things like that I have some carrots and stuff I speak about my autism so I always open with that type of stuff and then yeah. try and go into surreal stuff um, but I have always opened with a, with a book called Monkey Portraits which is just me trying to pitch the monkeys then reading the line from the book which is I began photographing monkeys and apes by accident which has never never, never, made, never made sense to me that long so yeah I've never been able to explain it I guess surreal some 
observational. I don't know if I think it's really observational, but I think some of my things could be classed observational. And it's, yeah, yeah, and it's more accounts and it's more just sort of pers- some personal stories about my life as well. But I try and go more into being a bit weird with the stuff that I do on stage. Yeah, yeah. As I say, you, you often sort of do you sort of consciously try and make people sort of on edge at the start of your sets because when I've seen you do your stuff it's sort of it's a fine art to try and get an audience to feel uh, a little bit uncomfortable yeah so I've and tread the line so I've always sort of done that because I want to with it I want them to right from the start know that my material is going to be a bit weird so that's why I've always gone on with a weird book or at the moment I open with the you know you know crazy frog the big crazy frog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I open by reading out the lyrics of crazy frog, but saying <laughs> that it's some lyrics that really speak to me. Um, so I sort of just open with things like that to make yeah. the audience think what what the hell is going this on is right now, but know straight away that's how I'm going to be. Yeah, on stage. Yeah. What's going on? So I'm here with Luke Poulton, Essex Comedian of the Year, or oh, 50% of the Essex Comedian yeah, of the Year. Two. 50% of the best bits. I can just put on posters though, that's the thing. Yeah, that's it. Still put Essex Comedian of the Year and people think, ah, oh, Essex Comedian of the Year must be good. Yeah, that's hell of those too. Yeah. <laughs> Stick it on all your letters. Definitely. So we were just talking your best gig ever. Uh, or maybe not best gig ever, but you know, it's hard to define when you've had so many great ones. But... Uh, I think best gig ever is more just when I've done. I don't know if it, I can really count it in, but I think it's when I've just done my shows. Last year when I did Candle Fringe, um, I sold out the first night and it was about 42 people in, and there was just a lovely audience of yeah, people yeah. that were really on board for everything that I was talking about. And yeah, just I think that's that's probably best gig ever. Yeah, and just I've had other ones. Um, what other ones I think of? When I've done some sort of um, the Veg Fest. And that was a festival where you just. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I did, I've done 20 minutes there, and that's always been really nice because there's always an audience on board. I can, and I try, well, I always have 20 minutes there, so I try and throw in quite a few characters, which confuse people sometimes, but they still, yeah. still enjoy it. And I've had a lot of, yeah, I think recently it's just been lovely for me because I've have, I had this whole bit at the moment where I do a poem about Pixar. This is called Pixar, what are you doing? But it's all about the Making the Cars trilogy. And <laughs> trilogy, they're not making the third one. No, they, that, they're just, they've made a third one. No, 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 I knew that was yeah. one. <laughs> third one probably came out about four years ago, I think. Oh, that's how up to date I am. Even no, not even four years ago, I think maybe two. <laughs> but yeah, I have a whole bit about that. And recently I've been getting applause after it, so it's been really nice. Yeah, oh, brilliant. Things like that. Just super fit. Yeah, I can't really think of the best game. I've just always had. Oh, lo- lovely. Yeah, they're all great. Right? Lovely gigs. I have had the bad ones, but there's always been, yeah, it's been lovely for me this year so far. Yeah. Gigs. Yeah. So, worst gig ever. If you got one or two. <laughs> I haven't got a worst gig. I think the only time this, um, I haven't really got a worst gig. Uh, I, had a, I had a really nice gig in Canterbury, but Canterbury was one where the audience were quite. I used, I used to have a bit talking about Avengers Infinity War, but. Oh, yeah. 
in Canterbury, I went, who here has seen Avengers Infinity War? And no one answered. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not and I was like, oh, Canterbury, haven't even seen this movie. But I've still got to carry on with this bit because I've started it. But the whole yeah. bit was about Mr. Blobby being in Infinity War. And <laughs> they, weren't on board, they weren't on board for that. People in Canterbury now think that he stars in... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did another gig which was a lovely gig uh, in, in Winchmore Hill which place it yeah sounds nice <laughs> and I used to have a bit where I went on stage and said uh, so who here reads uh, comic books complete silence <laughs> and I still had to do a bit about comic books at that point so yeah I, I, I think I've already had worse gigs but it was still sort of you know those type of gigs where you, you don't know if you should even carry on with the, the bit that you're doing yeah. Um, I had a gig which turned it, it turned lovely in the end, but it was one. Uh, it's, in a, it's sort of downstairs in a basement in Covent, Covent Garden, which most gigs are downstairs. As I say, they're all in basements, <laughs> aren't they? Um, <laughs> it was a Christmas. It, it was at Christmas time, and through the whole month of December, I decided to wear a Christmas jumper with a SpongeBob on the front. It's, yeah, it's a Christmas <laughs> jumper that I have, so I, just, I wear that through the whole of December. And there was this guy that had come along who, it was his first gig that he was doing, but he brought all his mates who were heckling the whole night. Yeah. And, I, and I walk on stage and hold up monkey portraits, and one of them straight away goes, oh, definitely a virgin. <laughs> All right, well, great. Well, <laughs> you're a fan, so <laughs> I then had to make them feel bad, which was my only comeback at this point. I've got better on with Hector's now, but it was like, I haven't even got into my disability material yet, and you're already picking on me. And luckily, they all sort of shut down when they knew what I was about to start speaking about. Yeah, on side. and they stopped. So I think that was the only one where I can think, oh, I got really worried this is going to be a horrible gig. And after I shut them down, the rest of the audience were like, oh, yeah, okay, we're going to enjoy it now. Do you get much of that? Heckler's coming at you. Um, I had, I had an American woman in front of it. So I have this bit at the moment where I make a joke where saying about how a lot of people think that vaccines cause autism. And then I say, oh, actually, that's true. And then I say, before I got a vaccine, I was incredible making eye contact. <laughs> Could have full-blown conversations with strangers and didn't really have yeah. much interest in any subjects. And I say, I was actually quite a boring person. And I say, and then, then I got a vaccine. And uh, now I couldn't make eye contact anymore. Was now scared strangers, but now I had a massive knowledge of film. And I make <laughs> injected into it. And now I say I only got, I only got the, my first vaccine last week. But when I started the joke at this gig, I said I said the line, "Oh, um, and actually that's true about vaccines." And she, this woman in front of me went, "No!" and got really angry at me, thinking that I was being serious before I'd even finished the joke. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I had the comeback of saying said that I was going to because the weird thing with Facebook is if you're near someone and their phone's near you they sometimes come up and your people may know oh, so, really? so I as a joke said to her that I was going to find her on Facebook and message all her friends to say that she likes to go to gigs and heckle autistic people <laughs> and she, she stopped at that point and I got to I got to carry on with the joke luckily yeah but yeah that's, that's one time where I can think where people sort of yeah been like that's, I haven't really had that many heckles at first when I used to get heckles I didn't really know what to say but now I've sort of figured out because yeah. everyone sort of posts you know you have those videos online where people be like oh yeah look at this guy shut down this heckler but you, you can tell that, that person a lot of comedians do sometimes sometimes people can just do it off the whim and just be great at like riffing with it yeah. you can tell that some people have thought about that comeback they were going to have that day if they did have a heckler some people are prepared so I, I feel I am sort of 
preparing some stuff now, so I can always just pick something up. Yeah, on it. Yeah, got back catalogue. Yeah, responses. <laughs> armed and ready. Yeah. <laughs> so it must be difficult because yours is almost, almost like a character. Yeah. So you can't really break. So yeah, we're on stage um, with. So it's more. People said that because I do the whole. I don't really look at the audience. So I look down the floor for a lot of stuff, and sometimes I do try and look up. But it's more of a, a persona on stage for me. It's. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not completely a character, but I think in a way it's, I'm I'm a very different person on stage. I do still talk the same way, but I think when I'm off stage, I do speak to people in a very different way than I'm, up your yeah. Then I am in my on stage, so it's more yeah. sort of I'm pushing the persona of that. Yes, I am actually autistic, but I am sort of trying to seem a bit awkward on stage. And yeah. the one thing that sort of comes good about this is if I do ever mess up at a gig or mess something up people think it's part of, <laughs> of the act because I had a bit recently where the um, this, I have this opening with something where I press the sound on my iPad and it plays and on the last two gigs it didn't it didn't play straight away oh, right. and I think people think me messing up on that it's part, of, yeah, it's part of it like I'm meant to be looking like what a great idea yeah, I've messed up this, this gig completely <laughs> A couple of years time, we'll see you on Love Apollo. <laughs> this bit you did was brilliant, brother, but the iPod didn't work. <laughs> so, obviously, on stage, you, you talk about your uh, autism. Yeah. Um, and I would say that uh, to a lot of people, you must be pretty inspiring to see up there doing, doing comedy and, and using that almost in your, in your routines. Um, do you find it was, was it hard at first doing comedy because of that? Or yeah, yeah, so it, it was at first because. When I used to, when I first started comedy, I didn't speak about my autism on stage. And I remember probably my sixth gig in, this guy coming up to me and moaning at me for not making eye contact when I was on stage. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't yeah. tell him that I was autistic at that point. Sure, yeah. yeah. And as he was walking away, he said that, he said to me, "Keep it up, but do better." <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm six gigs in, but <laughs> you're, you're already saying that to me. So. <laughs> It, yeah, it's, it's when I got further in, I figured out how I can do stuff about autism that doesn't make people... Because there was points where I would go on stage and say I'm autistic, and I remember having a woman in the audience go, oh... I was thinking, I don't, yeah, want, don't, I don't want that. I don't want the pity. I want people to still feel on board with what, exactly what I'm talking about. I want them to understand it and be able to laugh along with it instead of just thinking, oh, he's, he's autistic. We've got to feel sorry for him. So... Yeah, at first it was hard, but then when I figured out how I can make the material be relatable to people and make it funny in a way, it's, yeah, it's, it works now. Yeah, do you almost have a bit of fun with that now? Yeah, I have fun with it. Cool, cool grades. Yeah, so yeah, it's something I enjoy talking about now on stage. Yeah, yeah. Do you get people contact you with with autism? For yeah, so I, I've had. Um, it's, it's weird. It's always I've never the way that I found out about I think I'm one of those weird people that Google's my name. Oh yeah, we all do that. But it was it was when so I it was yeah it's probably about two years ago now that I released it. I released a documentary called You Don't Look Autistic, and with my stand up and stuff. And I remember going on Reddit and some people had been like, oh, from America had even been like, oh, this is one of my favourite comedians who has um, Asperger's and he talks about it on stage. And it's weird finding things like that because then I would have people contact me and say, oh, can you talk about these sort of things in videos? And that's the reason I made the documentary because there was more people that wanted to find out about autism, and wanted to find out how it was doing stand-up comedy and being autistic. Yeah. So, yeah, there is people that contact me. I had, I've had a few parents tell me about their kids being autistic. I've had, um, had a dad a while back come up to me after a gig and say about his son, son who was autistic and um, how his son had been um, 
hurt by these these three people who had tried to stab him and he was saying how inspiring it was to yeah. see him on stage talking about it because his son had only just at this point been able to get out of the house and then had this happen to him yeah. and how it affected him but then he was talking to me about how it's inspiring to see someone like me on stage talk about this and how his son yeah. is now in college doing something that he really enjoys so yeah it's, it's good to have parents be able to talk to me about that type of thing and people with autism had also come along to when I did my hour-long shows and come up to my hospital and say how great it is to see me on stage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. must be a, a role model. <laughs> so, this documentary, can we find that? Yeah, if that's, that's just, if you search up, I think even if you search up, you don't look autistic, it comes up yeah. straight, straight around on YouTube. And you're starring in it? Or yeah, it's just, it's just me, me talking about it. Um, my girlfriend helped film most of it. Yeah. Um, and it's just me showing. So, the whole documentary was about my journey in stand-up comedy and... The, before my first uh, 50 minute show it was before I was doing that it was the yeah. first time I did my show so it was me preparing for that showing all the gigs that I was doing around London and outside of London and then showing bits of the of that first show yeah okay. so yeah oh, well, I'll Google you then <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you are an Essex boy born and bred yeah, in, in Chelmsford Essex Chelmsford yeah that's where I home of radio and home of you and then lived there up until about seven years ago then moved to London for university oh yeah and then just decided to stay in London after that loved it yeah I didn't want to move back to the Chelmsford it's all the light yeah all the lights and all the drink and London's a lot yeah a lot easier for for things yeah yeah comedy scene yeah comedy and shops really you know you go to Chelmsford got the supermarket closing at 6pm yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you one of those people that just market shopping at 2 a.m.? <laughs> when I was at university, that's what I would do. I'd get bored, I couldn't sleep. I'd go to Asda at 2, two in the morning. Yeah, I mean, it's quiet. It's, it's empty, no one's around. So. Yeah. Yeah. I thought only people did that with people buying, like, rope and uh, <laughs> slightly shady characters that don't usually go shopping during the day. That's no, me going there buying snacks. <laughs> so what did you study at uni? Uh, digital film and video. Ah. Uh-huh. So we should be filming this, eh? Uh, yeah, really. Yeah. I should have set up the camera for this. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's all we recorded on CCTV. <laughs> so uh, what inspires you then to get into to comedy at first? How have you been... So I've been doing it for yeah, three years now, yeah. Three years in, it was on June, June 21st. That's when I've been doing it for... Well, you got it down to the day, yeah. June 21st? Oh, what were you like? Just, just over a yeah, just three over, years. Yeah, so, um, yeah, three years. Doing it, um, so I, I have a YouTube channel. So I used to do a lot of sketches with people on there. And my friend and I used to run, sort of just well, not run. We used to make a lot of sketches. Used to do that sort of stuff. So that was something yeah. that I was always doing comedy in that type of way. And when I moved to London, um, my girlfriend and I we started going to this comedy night in 2016 and enjoyed the comedy. Watched that for a few weeks. Then after I got to know the MC there. And then went up to him and he was like, well, you should give this a go. Yeah, so did. Went on, gave it a go, did two minutes of material on the first gig. <laughs> like, well, you got five minutes. But I was like, I did two, two minutes. I had material on Sesame Street and The Muppets. And nice. That was, that was my material when I was first starting out. <laughs> yeah. Appeals to a wide range. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows them. Yeah. So it was material on Fozzie Bear, that type of stuff. Two minutes. Is that because you flew through your time? Yeah, I just I got on stage, just rushed, had some stuff that I'd written down, sort of just that I thought was hilarious to me. Yeah, um, and just did that, and then yeah, from there I've carried on doing it. Yeah. So three years is pretty good turnaround to go yeah. doing two minutes and running off stage. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's your shows now? Do you do? You got a full hour show? Yeah. So um, for the past 
two years, I have done a four-hour-long show. So I did the Camden Fringe last year, and I'm just currently writing a new show. Well, I've, I've finished writing the new show, but I keep on putting it off. I was going to do Camden Fringe this <laughs> day, and then with me, I just keep on writing more and more material. And yeah. at the end, I'm sort of, I put the show off, even though I have it finished, written down and everything, but I just want to make it sort of perfect this time around, because my second show, so I want to make it the best yeah. that I can. Do you feel like you keep editing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can do that a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to ever finish a joke, really, isn't it? Yeah, and with the show, it's it's material that I can't really... I can do bits, some bits on stage, but everything in the show connects together, so I can just go on stage and do this bit. Oh, right, It makes yeah. no sense as to why I'm doing it. It's all kind so, of connected. Yeah, it's all the whole way through connects, yeah. Yeah, oh, nice. I do, like, full shows that kind of work as a... Like almost like a film that like you watch that yeah, yeah, from yeah. the beginning to the end. Oh, that'll work though. <laughs> Keep reworking that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to try and do that in because the past few years I have I've, I've done a show the past few years. So I've always first time I did a show is where I would just book out the venue myself instead of doing it through something like Canada Fringe. So that's what I'm going to try and do again, again this year. Probably do it in September. Just work on it and make yeah, sure, yeah, and just book out the venue. That so I like. Had the same idea for that about a year then, the same sort of show. So after it evolved into a new. Yeah, after I finished. So, my show that I did last year, it had a whole. There was a section of it where I spoke about bad movies for a bit, but now I've decided to just. Because people have always enjoyed hearing myself about bad movies, so I've decided yeah. to write a whole show just about bad movies, how I got into them, what's the worst movie, and just taking everyone through the movies that sort of the ones that are so bad, they're good, the ones that just drain you completely because they are. <laughs> Terrible, the ones that you just don't know how they actually exist. Yeah. So yeah, snakes on a plane. Yeah, snakes on. <laughs> and then the yeah, snakes on a plane, and there is uh, the mockbuster snakes on a train. Snakes on a train. Yeah, they feel like they needed to make a mockery of it. Yeah, it's a, it's just it's bad. It's it's horrible. It's complete change around of snakes on a snakes on a plane. It's not snakes getting put on the train. It's a woman having a witch curse put on her and being impregnated with snakes and then <laughs> laying the snakes on the train because she's got to try and get across Los Angeles <laughs> to get to this witch doctor who can take the curse off of her but while she's on the train the snakes get laid and she just lays a bunch of eggs and yeah and now the snakes are going about the about the train <laughs> it sounds it's yeah. thrilling yeah <laughs> how do they get funding for that I honestly don't know but when Woolworths were still around <laughs> You know how some stores like H&V and those type of places have um, exclusives to the stores so they release something that's got their own artwork on it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Woolworths had snakes on a train as their exclusive. <laughs> it had a sticker on it that was like Woolworths exclusive. I don't know who pitched that. It was like, we got snakes on the plane out, but let's get snakes on a train in our movie exclusives this week. And you wonder why Woolworths are yeah, around this I think that's the reason they did shut down. Spent too much money on this snakes on a train. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you give any advice uh, for up and coming comedians or people that have not tried comedy before who are thinking, should I give it a go? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think if, you're gonna, if you want to give it a go, then you definitely should. Don't think that there's, you know, people think, oh, there's so many comedians and I can't give it a chance. There's always, we all, comedy's always going to need a new voice. Yeah. And I think there's always going to be you can bring something new if you've got your own personal story or you think you've got something that's incredibly funny and isn't something that people have been doing for a long time or the same sort of material with someone else yeah. then I think that you can definitely give it a chance and and even if you're a comedian that's currently doing it and you think oh the gig's gone bad and oh my material's not good or whatever just 
keep on working on it. That's what I did. I've, I've had a lot of bad gigs, but I kept on working, trying to figure out the way that I would do it, the way that I would tell the jokes, the way that I could get the audience on board. Yeah. Because I had had those gigs where I'd go on stage and people wouldn't want to laugh. And, you know, you do have those, but it's if you just figure out exactly how you want to be on stage and exactly how people will see you, then, yeah, just give it a go. Have a try. Yeah. I think it's interesting when you see, you go to some nights where they'll pick a subject and they'll say, right, make jokes about this. Yeah. And people turn up and you have a whole bunch of comedians, 20 comedians, and they'll all have different jokes about exactly the same thing. So I think anyone's got a voice. Yeah. Anyone's got a voice that's, of view, so. that's the thing, yeah. That, um, trying to think, even when I did, there's a few like um, LGBT competitions I've done recently and, and I've done gigs like that as well and there's always every single person you think oh some people might still be the same material as each other but every single gig I've done everyone always has a different story about their life about their sexuality and all that type of stuff and I think it's great to see yeah. that type of thing happen it's a gap in the market for yeah. everyone yeah. yeah yeah as long as they don't steal the uh, <laughs> new comedian of the year world yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's been a pleasure chatting to you uh, I've got a couple of quick questions yep uh, I'd always like to do a, a question relay so okay. a question for my next guest question for the next guest so uh, I don't actually know who my next guest is yet okay uh, which is always very organised of me but uh, if you had to ask a question for a random person <laughs> what would be your question uh, you would ask um, oh god <laughs> what you got uh, what's your favourite movie and why <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, people can find you online. Yep. At, we already said. But if you yeah. search Vegan Luke, or if, and on Facebook, you search Luke Polden, like Polden Stand Comedian, then you will find me. Find him. Track him down. Yep. Let's see him do comedy. Yep. He's awesome. brilliant. Yep. You'll wet yourself laughing. In a safe and convenient, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clean, clean way. Hope so. <laughs> pleasure to talk to you. Good luck. Thank you very see much. See you out the circuit. Thank you. Till next time. Casting to Brentwood, Villa Ricky, and the world. This is Phoenix FM.